This is the Cherryleaf Podcast. Hello. Hi. Normally what we do is ask people to introduce themselves, say who they are and, mm-hmm. and what they do. So we'll carry on with the tradition. And, and do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Carissa Van Ballen. And I am the knowledge-based owner and customer education lead at Hotjar. So I can tell from your accent, you're (laughs) from overseas. Whereabouts are you from? I am. Uh, I'm from New Jersey originally. I moved to Ireland about seven years ago, I Uh guess. And then I've stayed in Europe ever since. And you at the moment in Ireland or you elsewhere? No, right now I'm actually in London. Um, My partner and I are nomadic. And so we have been living out of our backpacks before COVID. And so then after COVID, we just got stuck in random Barcelona, actually, for about four months during the first lockdown. And so we're waiting now (laughs) so that we can get started traveling again. Right. Oh, that's a a nice Mm -hmm. lifestyle. There's lots of people on YouTube doing that at the back of uh, camper vans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've considered the camper van thing for a bit. Right now, it's just two 55-liter bags and a lot of determination to get all of our work stuff in there as well. Goodness me. And Hotjar encourages that, welcomes that type of way of working? Yeah, it's a 100% remote company and it has been from the beginning. Obviously, some people stay in the same place, Mm -hmm. and but you have also the option just to kind of move around and see the world really as you work as long as there's wi-fi i guess a good starting point would be to then ask what hot jar as a company does it kind of takes what google analytics shows you Mm -hmm. but then visualizes it for you Mm -hmm. and you can see the customer's needs in actionable bites so we have heat maps recordings and then we have some feedback tools as well like incoming feedback or surveys Mm -hmm. so that you can literally ask the user or the customer as they're on your site, hey, is this working out for you? Do you hate it? Do you Mm -hmm. love it? What can we do to improve our site or improve our product? I had Mm -hmm. a chat with a colleague of yours last week, which is where we discovered that you'd been on one of our training courses and you were using it Mm -hmm. for the documentation and... We use it, like you said, on our knowledge base and it helps on our knowledge base. We kind of use those words interchangeably. But yeah, heat maps are something that I personally use heavily. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just really helps with like the visualization of Mm -hmm. that page in a a snippet of time, right? Mm -hmm. So it'll show you the entire page. And then we have three different types of heat maps. Mm -hmm. We have click, move, and scroll. And each of those kind of give you different insight into where users are clicking, you know, where they're moving their mouse to, or even if they're getting to a certain point of your page. It's incredible the amount of insight you get, especially for documentation on heat maps. So you're responsible at Hotjar for what? Since I own the knowledge base, I am working with a team of three writers right now. Mm -hmm. And we meet weekly, we discuss, we have a backlog of things that need to be either written, edited, removed from the knowledge base. And I, I assign writing assignments, or uh, if it's not a writing assignment, it's looking into a section that needs to be improved based on feedback, based on support tickets, if people are really confused. 
or just based on the fact like, hey, we haven't updated this documentation in a while. Let's go validate it and make sure that everything's on point. When I'm not doing that point, then a lot of my role is like the analytics and statistical side of things like how something is performing, what's our approval rating of documentation in specific sections, how to make the flow easier from reading documentation to contact form. What (laughs) is the purpose of the knowledge base and Mm -hmm. how do the heat maps help you understand whether or not you are achieving the purpose that it's there for? Absolutely. I would say there's a few things that you have knowledge base for or help center for, right? Yeah. You, If you're running a support team, you want to lower the, t- the tickets that are coming in. So you want to lower the amount of time someone needs to reach out. On the flip side, which is what we really focus on, is the self-service aspect. Right. If you have a problem with our tool, mm-hmm. I want you to be able to look at this documentation, ask your question through yeah. the search bar, or find the document that's relevant to you so that you can solve your problem. Because it makes your experience a million times better. You have a positive overall experience with our tool. You're not cursing the fact that something's not working. You self-served, you know, you solved your own problem. And now you can do a million more things and get the insight that you need to be successful. That's what we really aim for Mm -hmm. is that you can discover your solution get it done and you can keep tracking and you don't have to wait around for anyone to help if something goes wrong. So you've used heat maps to see if you're meeting that objective. What have the heat maps help you discover or learn? And has that, what you've discovered and learned changed over time? Or has it been the same Mm -hmm. things that you've learned? It's been telling you from when you started using the heat maps to how you use them now. No, that's the best part, honestly. It it was kind of life-changing getting that insight, especially Mm -hmm. for documentation that's like FAQ-based. Because as a writer, you're putting in all this time and effort to make sure that your content is speaking to the writer. They're getting the information they need. There's no fluff, especially for technical writing. You just don't want that fluff because then you use lose interest in like a second and people just start drifting off. In the one the example I'm thinking in particular, we would have a heat map of our FAQ page and this FAQ page would maybe have anywhere between 10 to 15 FAQs, Mm -hmm. which we would list at the top, anchor them down to the questions. So when they click on the anchor, it brings them straight down to that FAQ question. And what we found by using the heat map is that people were, I mean, not even getting to the first 30 or 40% of the page because we were looking at the scroll heat map. And so once people got past the actual like links that we had, Mm -hmm. they would maybe see two to three FAQs. And we were shocked (laughs) (laughs) because you list all the questions. So in your mind, you're saying, okay, I'm listing all the FAQs here. Hmm. So someone is going to take the time and read through the list. Not only did we have that list, we had the list separated by section or what we thought made sense. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. By topics, what we thought made sense But it made sense to us because we work in the tool all the time. We understand the tool, but it wasn't the organization that a user would want because they're thinking in a different way. And so what that led to is because we saw that only 
I would say the first three to four questions were being read. We just said, okay, we can still separate it, right? We can still make sure that we have topics organized by topics, but let's try to get the top three most asked questions Mm -hmm. in the top. Because if they're only seeing the first three to four questions, let's make sure the important ones are the top three to four. And once we did that, the questions were seen. We had less instances of people reaching out for those particular questions. And people were actually finding the answers they needed rather than kind of giving up after the third or fourth question from scrolling and saying, you know what, maybe I just give up. Or maybe I'll email support and then have to wait for an interaction and go back and forth if something bigger was wrong. It was great. Just being able to see those top questions being seen by a majority of our audience. So was that about rearranging the order in which things were, or was it about taking stuff out Mm -hmm. that just people didn't need, or was it both? Both, really, because you reevaluate that point. First of all, I personally think that like 10 to 15 FAQ questions are just a lot in general. It's overwhelming. You want to try to make everything not super short, but especially with FAQs, you just want to make it really easy to kind of browse through, get everything that you want done. Some of it was just removing stuff where we said, you know what, let's take this out and play around to see if maybe no one clicks on it. With the links on top, besides the scroll, you all, we also had like the click heat map. So mm. we could see how popular they were clicking, getting clicked on. Yeah. There were some links that had no clicks at all. No one had clicked on them. And the heat map was about a month old, I'd say. Right. And there's just no interaction. We said, okay, it's been a month. No one's clicked on it. Let's remove it and see what happens. If we have an influx of tickets for that particular question, we can always revert. Yeah. Removing it just kind of removes some of that fluff or some of the, the junk that just needs yeah. to be taken out. What are the insights that you're getting today that maybe as a result of doing it for X years or X months, have there been any? Yeah, so... I, I kind of did a manual approach to it and I have a block set up my calendar once a month where mm-hmm. at the end of the month, I'll go look at the heat maps for really important pages. So I focus on FAQ pages. Mm-hmm. I focus on our landing page and I focus on the contact form because in the contact form, we also suggest articles that right. we think might help in certain situations. And so when I look at those pages, I add the results to a spreadsheet because I just like to see all my numbers in one place. Mm-hmm. And I'll look for things like what's getting clicked on, especially on the landing page where we have featured articles. I'll see what featured articles are actually being visited. If we just added a new section, let's say, or sorry, a new document, I'll also look at heat maps for that new document and I'll say, okay, where are the clicks? How much scroll? Movement is a huge one because... It's interesting because you'll see this in heat maps, but you also see it in recordings that, and you might do this and you don't even know, but when you read on a website, a lot of people's mouse movements mimic where they're reading. On the heat map, you'll just start seeing a lot of color show up around text because people are moving their mouse over the words. (laughs) I never knew I did that until I started seeing this action. On recordings, you just see the mouse moving over the words. And then now I'm really aware of it. So sometimes I'll catch myself and I'm like, oh, that's me moving over the text. But that's a a huge giveaway as well, because you see that over some of your content. 
and you know that what you wrote is being read. Uh, and then you'll see some paragraphs that there's nothing over it. And you're like, okay, no one is reading this at all. <laughs> like no one's looking at this content. I pull that those stats and I just put them into a spreadsheet each month. And I can just kind of see over time as things are progressing. And that way I can kind of pair up what our writers are doing. So if they've changed something or if they've added a new section or they wanted to try a new template and experiment with that, you can kind of see, oh, this is when so-and-so added the new template. Uh, okay, it went better. So maybe yeah. it is working well or vice versa. Or if the stats started going down and we started less interaction, let's let's revert to the old template. And do you share that information or show those heat maps to others outside of the department? And what impact does it have having that information to be able to show to others? It depends. We don't regularly show it unless it's some type of business case. So if we're looking for maybe a tool that we want to invest in, we can show over time, uh, look what this trial did for us. Here's actual proof. Because one of the hardest things I find with just tech writing in general is it's really difficult to prove value. Yes. to stakeholders. A lot of the time it's like, oh, you're just writing something. It's You just you just write up a few lines. It's like, ah, it's, <laughs> it's a little different than that. It takes a lot of time and a lot of care to make sure that what you're writing can reach a user or reach the person who's reading it and help them. Hmm. One of the favorite things I kind of revert to is you can put a big green button on a website and say, push the button. Hmm. And you'll still have people ask, what button? This button? How do I press it? There's still going to be questions. And so I really feel like a, a job as us as writers is to make sure that we're as clear as possible yeah. to make everybody's life easier. And you want to spoon feed in the least condescending way possible. And to do that, it takes a lot of time. And so when you're presenting things to stakeholders, if they don't have that insight, they don't know. They don't know what value you bring. And so heat maps, um, recordings, especially recordings that show a user confused in the mm -hmm. beginning. And then you can tell they're confused by mouse movements, frantic movements in general. You can see like maybe, oh, they don't know where to click or maybe they're kind of going in loops in the actual tool or in loops in the knowledge base even, where they keep going on the same page over and over again because they can't find their answer. And then kind of getting to the point where they find their answer. And you kind of see them, the mouse movement slow down, you see them reading, and then they leave. And so you know that, okay, look, this is an example of how our writing or our team helped the user have a positive experience. So you say that Hotjar has heat maps, Recordings of mouse movements and surveys. Mm -hmm. The work that you're doing in the knowledge base, are all three of those equally useful? Or is one more useful than the other in terms of helping you in your job? Yeah, I use all of them, to be honest. I'm not forced in any way to use all of them, even working for Hotchart. <laughs> There's a fourth as well. It's incoming feedback. And so the difference between surveys and incoming feedback, surveys is something like a question that pops up that says, hey, did you like this? Yes, no. Right. Very, you can do whatever you want. It can get as elaborate as you want. It can be as small as you want. Whereas incoming feedback is a widget that lives on the side of the page. Mm -hmm. And when you click on it, it gives you a scale to rate. So a happy face to sad face to mad right. face. 
uh, and the user can, can select the emoji or whatever images you decide for the rating scale. And they can leave a comment well with an email. We utilize both. Both of them have different functions. I rely on incoming feedback a lot of the time for internal use, but we do get a lot of feedback from our users. Yeah. What I do for the internal use aspect is we have the review process. We have the writing process, the review process, and the publishing process within our team. But as you know, things are missed. Spelling mistakes are missed. Dead links, alt text, not on images are missed. It happens, especially with a smaller team that are rotating between the role of reviewer and writer. What the incoming feedback does is it opens it up to an entire company where if someone is on a page and they see there's a spelling mistake, they see something's out of date, they see a little image is broken, a link is broken, they can click on the incoming feedback. They can put whatever smiling face they want to. It doesn't matter because we're not using that aspect for this part. And they can select, they can click on the dead link, they can click on the actual word that's misspelled and they can say, hey, this word is misspelled or this info is out of date. Mm -hmm and then add their email and send it to us. It gets sent to our support email. We have it attached to Zendesk as where our support team works. And so it creates a ticket and we can see, oh look, there's a spelling mistake on this page Mm -hmm. and we can fix it. And it's small little actionable pieces of insight that we can work on very, very quickly. So if somebody else wanted to set up this for their knowledge base, Mm -hmm. how easy is it to do and are there any limitations about types of sites where you can't use it? It's as easy as you want it to be, honestly. When you set it up, we have, in the knowledge base, we have a bunch of different guides that you can work through depending on what your site is based on. Mm-hmm. Ranging from WordPress to Kajabi to Wix, you, there's a guide that you can look at and set it up. Right. It takes probably about 10 minutes to get up and running, Mm -hmm. just installed. And then there's also advanced things. So if you did have a developer at your disposal or you did have a developer on your team that you could request work from, you can set up things like tags for your recordings. So it'll add automatic tags for you or advanced, we call them user attributes Mm -hmm. where almost like segments where you can say, okay, I want to only look at people on the knowledge base who come back regularly, who were on a paid plan, can like list all of these attributes that you want to focus on. Yeah. And that is done with a developer. But that's definitely not needed if you wanted just to get started with the basic heat maps, recording, surveys, and feedback and just kind of get it running to start collecting the data. It would take about 10 minutes. So if you had a collection of VIP customers where you wanted to make sure that they were being serviced the best you could spot them and check that they're getting the questions answered absolutely because this is the one that you would would need a developer to help you with um just because they need to work with your api Mm -hmm. and our api you can even name they're a vip customer because of x y and z you can even look at those individual pieces you can say this is an overall vip user and then this you know, maybe it's the three reasons why they're a VIP is because they're spend, the amount of times they come, and the how old they are in your system. And you can look at each individual pieces as well. Do you know of any other technical publishing teams that are, are doing this in, in this way? Yes, actually. I don't know if you're familiar. There's an organization called Write the Docs. Yes. I went, and that was kind of the first place I ever realized where 
this was a job like this is something that people do and it was just like this huge revelation that's where i learned about cherry leaf and it, it was great when I, I go to those conferences every year and when i talk to people and i tell them that i work at hotjar if they know of hotjar you know the first question i always ask is okay one how do you use it on your site because i want to know and mm -hmm. two if i had 15 minutes in a day to look at hotjar what would i do people are already using it and they want to know if I only have this set of time a day, what do you suggest to look at? So, well, that leads on to another question. And if somebody did install Hotjar and was using it for looking at their knowledge base and online help and perhaps even their onboarding information, mm -hmm. how much time would be an appropriate or good time to schedule to get value from having that installed? Well, the good part is, <laughs> really, you would only need about 10 to 15 minutes a day if that's what you wanted, or 10 to 15 minutes a day every other day, really. And you really can range it all the way to maybe an hour a week. It depends on what you want. If it's something that where someone's asking me, like at the conferences, if I have 10, 15 minutes a day, what do I look at to get the yeah. most value? With that, I usually answer with heat map on a focus page. Maybe it's a new article you wrote. Maybe it's one of your most popular articles. Uh, I tend to also have heat maps on my most popular articles page as well to get an understanding of why it's the most popular article other than like our brilliant writing. What are they looking at? Heat map on a focus page, the highest traffic page. Feedback responses, 100%. You want to be able to see if someone really loves your writing mm -hmm. or really doesn't like your writing and why they don't like it. Uh, and those are a really quick overview of just, you kind of just read through them and be like, okay, hate, hate, love, love, love. Why do they hate it? And then there's a reason, they wrote a yeah. reason why. And then an approval rating survey, so the thumbs up, thumbs down on the page. Yeah. And what we do is if someone clicks the thumb down, we trigger a survey because the thumbs up, thumb down is built into the tool we use for our knowledge base. So when someone presses the thumbs down button, we pop up a survey and say, hey, really sorry that didn't work out for you with this article, tell us why. Why did we not hit that bar for you? What, what did we miss? Yeah. And just those three things take a really quick to view within like a 10 to 15 minute period per day. Hmm. But the information you get can essentially set your entire planning for the week for your team based on what you're seeing, or it yeah. can, you know, it can change your priorities really quick. Because if you're prioritizing maybe rewriting a certain section or writing new documentation and you're getting negative feedback about one that already exists, a lot of it, you can just switch the gears a bit and say, okay, let's pull back from making new documentation and let's go into this new section and really focus on improving the docs there. During that feedback that I was telling you about, where they can kind of give us the emoji rating and give us a comment about why they gave us that rating, there's also that aspect of adding the email. And they don't have to give us the email. So if it's something they're not interested in, they can kind of skip that part. But the ones that do, I most definitely reach out to them and try to get insight about why something wasn't working, what their ideal knowledge base would look like. If you saw this article again, what would have made it better for you? And just getting those little bits of insight throughout the month or throughout the year just really elevates your writing on a whole new level. Because you're not only thinking about what you think you know about what the user wants, you're actually asking them. <laughs> and they're literally telling you through email, through a phone call, through a Google call. They're saying, this is what will make it better. And it's really just kind of switches your perspective a bit. Hmm. 
if somebody wanted to do this, wanted more information on how to use the products, where should they go? For using Hotjar, definitely our knowledge base. <laughs> Shameless plug for the knowledge base, which is help.hotjar.com. We have the installation guides. We have guides that walk you through setting up the different tools, heat maps, recordings, surveys, feedback. And we also have the guides for your developer. So if you do want to do the more intricate setup with the user attributes, like I mentioned, the developer can use those guides as well to get started. Well, that's great. Thank you. Thank you, Carissa, for that. <laughs> Somebody wanted to contact you if they had any questions. How's the best way of contacting yeah, you? Yeah, the best way would be either through LinkedIn, which is Carissa VB. That's my LinkedIn. And my email is carissa at hotjar.com. I have no problem answering emails there as well. I have a talk that I did at Write the Docs this year about the importance of analytics and feedback. And it kind of gives more insight about how we use not only Hotjar, I gave it about other tools that are available besides Hotjar. So maybe if Hotjar is not a good fit for you, there's lists a bunch of different alternatives that you can use to get this insight and how I calculate some of my stats that I rely on. And it's called the importance of analytics and feedback. And I can also send you that link. Yeah, that would be great. And I'll include that in the show notes. Oh, that was great. Thank you.